The breaking news overnight was that the Iranians shot down a U.S. military aircraft. I prefer to call it that as opposed to a drone because, I don't know, just drone sounds too soft. How about unmanned aircraft? Unmanned so people aircraft know one of our on. pilots didn't get killed. That's fine. you got to throw that in. But it's, uh, it's, it's more than just, you know, some tiny little drone you bought at Walmart. It's a bigger deal than that. It's the latest step and a significant step in the escalations of tensions between the U.S., various of our Gulf allies, and the Iranians. Mike Lyons, military analyst, joins us. Uh, Major Mike Lyons, uh, not only a military analyst, as we were discussing last hour, but a historian. Uh, Mike, welcome. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back with you. Thanks. Um, is it? Uh, does this worry you? Is this a big step? Well, it's a, it's, now this is the red line. They're, they are literally right at that place where we've got to respond to do something. I, I think you go back to the Trump administration tells Tehran a few months ago that killing an American soldier was going to be that red line. You cross it and uh, you're going to get uh, everything that we've got coming at you. The Iranians took that, listened, sat down, made a list of all the things that they could do that, uh, that they could take that would um, just, that would upset U.S. interests and allies, and and this is one of those that stops just short of it. Uh, we didn't kill a soldier, but we took out one of your military assets, and I think there's other items on that list that are going to continue to do this. Um, they knew full, full well what they were doing. Um, this is an aircraft flies at 20,000 feet. Surface-to-air missile had to take it out. Um, it has a return address, and so that's probably the first thing we could do is we can go after the missile base that shot this aircraft down. Mm, yeah, interesting point. So they're claiming we were in their airspace. We're saying we were in, interna- in international airspace. Do you have any doubt that we're uh, telling the truth? You know, that aircraft flies at such a high altitude that it, it wouldn't you know, violate anything uh, from, a, from a threat perspective and if it's, if it's monitoring it. What countries do is they have this lily pad approach. They, if, they, if they claim an island out, let's say, in the Persian Gulf as Iranian uh, territory, they drop a lily pad on it and say, okay, 13 miles now around that island is now Iranian airspace. It's been ignored by the rest of the world, but um, that's what the Iranians might be claiming as to why it is, because I just mm. doubt that we would got, fly that close. And this is not something that has to fly close. It's it's a surveillance collecting, you know, big, you know, beluga whale looking device that uh, that flies, collects a lot of data, stays on station for 30 hours, has tremendous capability, but, 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 not, uh, but not something that has to violate the airspace. Let's uh, pull back a little bit. Speaking of being at 30,000 feet, what's, uh, what's the game Iran is playing right now? What are they trying to accomplish? I think they're trying to divide the United States uh, with its allies, and I think they're trying to get the sanctions relieved. Um, the only thing I can think of as to why they're going after the tankers in the Middle East is because they're just trying to drive up the price of crude oil to get as much as they can for what they're able to ship out of the Persian Gulf right now. The sanctions have uh, really strangled them. It doesn't they don't have the same capability to uh, to move a lot of their um, their oil and countries that we've got. Uh, and our back pocket aren't buying it anymore. Um, still, India, Japan, China continues to um, to buy the oil coming from Iran. But I think that's that's what that's all about. Um, and now we're going to see what the response will be from Germany, from England, France. Uh, we saw Russia's already weighed in. They're going to be on the side of the Iranians. But when when Iran does something like this, if the British don't come back and support us and the Germans don't support us, then the message is we're going to go this alone. And um, I read an interesting article over the weekend about – if the United States decides to go to war with Iran, uh, we'll lose this century to the Chinese. And I think there's a kernel of truth in that. I think if we, if we decide that we've got to go after the Iranians now militarily, it's going to have to be all in. Uh, we're going to have to, you know, we can't have this limited war anymore. 
um, I think we're going to lose our focus on the South China Sea, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll suffer losses and we'll have a problem. And um, I think there's a little bit of truth to that. And you think Iran knows that? I think they do. And I think, you know, they, they recognize that war still is regime change for them, and it's suicidal, and they don't want to do it. And they'll likely, as they did with the um, Iraqis in the 80s, they'll do what they can to, to stop it, and, and they'll, they'll look for China and Russia to come in on their side. I mean, you, you, it, could, it could escalate very quickly, um, but they're betting that the world will not side with the United States, that the United States is going to have to make this decision on its own. Um, knowing the political pressure here in the United States, knowing that, uh, you know, I, I'm watching people this morning literally blame, blame Donald Trump for this. It's just beyond the pale that, that we, you know, we're blaming our president for Iran targeting and shooting down a U.S. military asset is just beyond, beyond belief. Well, their point is, of course, he pulled out of the uh, nuclear agreement and has ratcheted up the pressure and made them squeal, and this is them squealing. Um, right. But, so, you know, that's true as far as it goes, whether it's good foreign policy or not, I suppose you could argue about. Um, Major Mike Lyons on the phone. Mike, if you were going to switch into advisor mode, um, what would you suggest our response be to the shooting down of this uh, rather expensive unmanned aircraft? No, it is, it is expensive. <clears throat> it's a cost more than the F-25, actually. I, I would um, I'd likely target the missile base where it came from. I, I think that. That would be a fair, measured response to this, and um, actually hit it with a U.S. missile. I would, and wow. given it's likely along the coast someplace, maybe perhaps uh, you know give them some. That that would show that we're willing to actually swing a stick now. Um, Kill a couple of Iranians uh, hanging around the the hanging around there, or not? Yeah, if they were unfortunate enough to be there, uh, I, I think that uh, you know w- w- there's. There's other things that the Iranians are doing. They're going after the desalinization plants in Saudi Arabia. They're doing all these these things again. They go right to that line. We've got to tell, we've got to unblur that line and say, you know what, that line now is uh, destroying this equipment at this point. I, I think um, I would do that now. Then see what the escalation goes from there. I, you know, we, we can't live our lives worried about the Iranians uh, unleashing Hezbollah and and secret cells throughout the world and terrorist groups. They, they are. Yeah, look, look what Iran did in, in 2011 to Obama. They shot down a drone uh, that, that what was it, the the RQ-170, that drone, that uh, that stealth-looking thing. And Obama politely asks it back. You know, please, can we have our drone back? Iran says, no, no, no I'm not going to give it back. But we're going to re-engineer one. We're going to make one ourselves. We're going to put it on display to show the world about how much we've, we've destroyed you. So, you know, these people don't play. They're not they're not interested in making us look good. And, and at some point, I think there's going to be a conflict here. I know the president makes the ultimate call on this, but right beneath him, the Secretary of Defense, our current Secretary of Defense, has got the job for about 24 more hours. Does that make it more difficult? You know, um, Patrick Shanahan has been on a kind of a thin ice, I think, for the past few weeks. I think, you know, they were trying to blame the McCain incident on him. And kind of what I had was there was something coming down, and obviously that, that, that shoe dropped with this um, incident, uh, this, this, um, this domestic incident that happened where he looks more of a victim than anything else. But, right. Um, unfortunately, but uh, so the guy that's been running the Pentagon is Joe Dunford. It's the four-star chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's been the steady hand at the wheel, not getting the credit for it. You know, kind of classic, you know, in, in American style. And so, uh, and Mark Esper, who will take over in the seat, um, former uh, he's uh, former Secretary of the Army, he's done a great job for the Army the past two years. I, I think they're just going to go right by him. Pompeo, with his military background, with Bolton here, is likely telling the president we have to strike. So uh, one more quick question, just if I'm advising the president, um, and tell me if this is idiotic or unprecedented, I uh, say to the Iranians, hey, look, we know where you shot that missile from. We're going to reduce it to rubble. 
we're going to do it in six hours and get your guys out of there. Does that ever happen? Yeah, that happens. That that does happen. Uh, it happens back channel. Um, it absolutely does, and um, that that's a possibility. Um, they could uh, likely move civilians there, though, and they could likely um, <sighs> sh- they could. They, I mean, that's possible. It's it's not something that they that, that wouldn't be beneath them to do. Oh, and so, and then that'll have to. And then the decision, you know, will be, will be. You know, we can watch down to the. You know, we can watch literally down to the name tags of the soldiers that they have on the ground there, as to see who specifically is there. Um, but we just have to see what we're dealing with, and it just gets back to. I, I think the key right now is allies, and whether we're going to go this alone or not. And that has a lot to do with Trump's personality. And all these countries, though, are suffering internal you know, challenges right now. The Brits with Brexit, the French and, and their internal struggles with uh, Macron and his lack of popularity. And we all know that Germany's not interested in, in doing right. anything to defend But if they all say, no, 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 we, no, don't escalate. This is all dumb. Don't escalate. Then do we really have to hit the brakes? I think we do. Okay. I don't think if we go this alone, I, I, it gets back to that thing about we lose the century. I think there's a little bit of... There's a lot of truth in that. I, I, I do believe that we're going to spread ourselves thin and and figure out um, there will be we've got to fight another day. There there'll likely be a there'll likely be a fight. Look, the Iranians, you know, ten days. The next thing you know, they're enriching uranium. I thought that breakout was going to take six months. The Iranians said ten days because once the the, the very second that the Iranians have this nuclear capability, th- those 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 F-16s in in Tel Aviv are going to get scrambled and they're they're going to go after that target. So the Israelis are going to get involved and. Then, 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 then what happens? Then we're in a no, totally different you know, side of war there. So. Yikes. Mike Lyons, military analyst for CBS News. Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks a million. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. A- excellent point there at the end. So, uh, so Iran you know, works toward getting a bomb. Israel doesn't wait around for that, and they don't huh. care if France and Germany are on board. I mean, because, And they don't wait for 100% certainty either. No, because they have the unique position of, it's an overused phrase now, an existential threat. They're, they could actually be obliterated from the earth. Right. They're so small. It is It is quite literally, he was going to kill me, so I. So I didn't have any choice. Right. People are mad. People are whatever. Right. You didn't agree. I don't have time to worry about that. Yeah. I'd yeah. be dead by now if I'd have waited for your approval. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So Israel will get involved. This, uh, yeah. Huh. That's a, that's a sticky one. So so lines there at the end, though, saying if if if... Britain and France both get in Trump's ear and say, nah, 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 nah. nah. Let's keep, uh, everybody keep cool. Or beyond everybody keep cool, just stand down. Then we probably back off. Wow. (sighs) That's not a good look. And, you know, as everybody's reporting to the point of giving me a headache, old John Bolton is probably getting in the president's ear saying, we got to whack him and whack him hard. Otherwise, the rest of the world's going to walk all over us. Um, Costco now has a two pound donut that's worth covering. Deep, t- t- I'm sorry, team Pardon coverage, <laughs> among other things that we need to get into. Marshall's going to have in his news what Trump said, and Cory Booker is uh, demanding an apology. For, I mean, Biden. What Biden said, Cory Booker's demanding an apology. Biden's saying, apologize for what, dude? So it's uh, that's on. And brilliant men of color on the stupidity of the reparations discussion. Awesome, all on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What remains of the day? 
Get this. I saw that Costco is now selling a giant two-pound donut. Look at this thing. There's actually a name for that. It is called a cake. Yeah. Good point. No kidding. Uh, I just set out the rest of the donuts. So everybody got their donuts that Craig brought in, and I said, anybody want any more? No. Okay, I'm going to set them out there. And I yelled, donuts! And from everywhere, I heard people say, donuts! Wow. People come running for a box of donuts. I ate one, and I loved it. I did not. Good man. Way to go. Proud I'm, of you. I'm happy with myself, but I, I, I can admit my will is starting to go. That's why I got the box out of here. But uh, Costco does have a two-pound donut. Uh, I haven't seen it. Is it donut shape? The classic yes. uh, circle yeah. with the hole? It's a giant donut you buy for a whole bunch of people to like bite off a little bit of donut. Uh, oh, plate. okay. I misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> I could easily eat a two-pound donut. Easily. I don't even know what... Uh, depends on the style of donut. I mean, like a two-pound cake donut would be uh. absurdly large, obviously. But if it was like a glazed, a raised, that'd be humongous. It looks exactly like a cake with a hole in the middle. It's enormous. <laughs> but it is <laughs> Great enormous. Scott. So there you go. It's unbelievably large. Hmm. I got a nice note from Justin I wanted to uh, pass along. Justin of Pittsburgh. Um, you warned us that Mark Zuckerberg was the Antichrist. We should have listened. Well, ignore me at your own peril, Mark, <laughs> Justin. I mean, clearly. Um, but, ignore me at your own peril. <laughs> but he points out that the uh, the Facebook, their, their, their logo for the Libra... They based the logo of the Libra, their online currency thingy, is it a cryptocurrency, is it not? I don't want to argue about it, but they believe they based the logo on the Christian symbolism, which has been seen through the centuries, of the snake coiled around the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden, the manifestation of Satan or temptation or whatever, and that's what they based the logo on. And it kind of, I get it. You know, I'll post this tweet at armstrongandgetty.com so you can look at it. Seems a little playing stairways to heaven backward and hearing the devil to me. I don't know. You got to look at it. You got to look at it. It's pretty uh, pretty clear. Well, I'm really tempting fate doing this, pointing out that Mark Zuckerberg is the Antichrist. I'm pushing my luck. I know I am. One of these days, I'm probably going to get the call. Hey, Joe, uh, Mark Zuckerberg here. Hey, Mark, what, what can I do for it? Well... You're right about the whole Antichrist thing, and I understand that you're just doing your job, but uh, I'm just doing my job, and you're going to be subjected to a thousand tortures before you're dead, and uh, your soul will be saved, but uh, it's going to be rough. So, uh, anyway, just wanted you to know, wanted to give you a heads up. I'd have, uh, like, messaged you, but you're not on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I will never refer to the uh, the Facebook money as Libra. I will only call them Zuckbucks. (laughs) <laughs> nice. Uh, somehow I came across this yesterday on YouTube. It was somebody playing Stairway to Heaven backwards, and I hadn't heard that in many, many years. And if you're, oh, it's a classic. If you're younger, you might not know that back in the day, you, you could you could play songs backwards on a record player. You can't do it with CDs and stuff. And people would hear something that sounded like Satan or, or whatever. Or Jack, it's called backward masking. It's used by Satanists to send clandestine messages no, not, to not. pervert America's youth. Wasn't you hear- one of the more f- popular or famous ones of these that Paul McCartney was dead for a while? Nah, no, yeah, that's <laughs> but, don't. Rabbit no, hole, rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. Okay. But, but, but any of that stuff... It, 
and uh, and it was a big deal, and some people took it seriously. And just you don't even need to believe in uh, in in the in in God of the Bible, but the story is true, and it's around us all the time. So why are you looking for crap and backwards songs or symbols on Facebook or whatever? Dedicating your life to pleasure and gossip is going to ruin society. That's true, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Wow! Listen it's to just, you bring the thunder. It's just <laughs> so. So you're okay with Mark Zuckerberg perverting and. And, and demeaning and, and consuming the souls of humankind. His company is evil. Just being, it's just evil. Whether <gasps> you believe it's got a symbol that means anything or not. Oh, I get it. You don't need any further proof, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. And you, it doesn't. And you, and you don't accept it or reject it based on whether or not you think this symbol. You know, he's going to stick his pitchfork in you too now. And he's part of doing the devil's work. Whether you know, it doesn't have to be on purpose, or he's communicating with the devil. The devil is all the devil is all around us, whether you believe in that sort of thing or not. Just the the temptation to to live a life of pleasure and 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 all that sort of stuff, right? Is ruining us, ourselves, and society. How about selfishness, cruelty, right? All I mean, that J- stuff. Jack Dorsey, I'm looking at you. Your platform, which is wonderful, Twitter is amazing. Is also such a den of ugliness. Oh, oh man, it's horrific. It really is. Yeah. The Den of Ugliness was what we originally called our show. They tried to call us the Breakfast Flakes. We told them, no, we're not doing that. Where <laughs> will be the Den of Ugliness? Briefly. What did we just listen to backwards there? Was that the devil? That was, yeah, was you rewinding it. That was this uh, Satanism right there. Satanism. I'm sure of it, I think. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Oh, we don't have time. I guess we'll just have to assume it's good. Oh, Biden! I mean, I'm excited. Is Biden a racist? Armstrong and Getty. What percentage of Americans hate mornings? 95% say they hate mornings. I wouldn't say that. Mine well, I love 5%. I don't like getting up pre-dawn every day, but I love mornings. Anyway. My, it was funny. My dog, Judy's out of town, and so I've, I've got to take my dog out in the morning and feed him and the rest of it before I come to work at pre-dawn hours. For some reason, uh, this morning we go outside, and he starts tearing around the yard like Satan himself is on his heels. Just running and running and jumping and leaping. It's just... He's as happy as he could be. That's why I was a little late for work this morning, but it's it's funny to watch. Maybe he saw a vision of Mark Zuckerberg chasing him. So I've got five steps to tune to to hmm. Five steps to turn yourself into a morning person. Oh. And a bunch of stats on that coming up. Wait a minute. How about go the hell to bed earlier? <laughs> yeah, no. Joe, I'm talking to me. Idiot. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, Joe Biden remains defiant despite a lot of criticism from fellow Democrats over comments he made at a fundraiser about his relationships with two noted Democratic senators who were also avowed segregationists. Democratic Senators James Eastland of Mississippi and Herman Talmadge of Georgia. Biden saying at that gathering, I was in a caucus with James O. Eastland. He never called me boy. He always called me son. And he called Talmadge one of the meanest guys I ever knew, but at least there was some civility. We got things done. We didn't agree on much of anything, but we got things done. We got it finished. But today, you look at the other side, and you're the enemy. Not the opposition, the enemy. We don't talk to each other anymore. Those comments causing an outburst from other 2020 Democratic rivals. Corey Booker. Even though the core of his message is 100% correct. Absolutely. That we don't talk about with each other anymore and we consider everybody the enemy. 
if they disagree with us. I will grant you the people he chose were an odd choice in that he never called me boy part is just inexplicable. Well, uh, Joe Scarborough was making the point this morning on Morning Joe, and I thought it was a good one. He chose the most uh, uh, disgusting of the people right. on purpose to make the point. Look, these are the worst, these two guys, and I worked with them. Right. Because that's the way it works. You have to do it. Right. Why he decided to say, the guy never called me boy. Well, you're white. It's a black thing. So that what is, what are you even talking about? And there's a multi-layered set of questions here. Uh, whether his major point was correct, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful point, and I'm glad he made it. But another question is: Is Joe good? Uh, Joe Biden any good at running for president? And the answer is no. He's <laughs> bad at it. He should have explained why he cited those people. He shouldn't have done the boy thing. He just. That was just bad. Now, back, now the other candidates are pretending offense and and just trying to gain make hay. Yeah, Cory Booker demanding Biden apologize, which Biden told reporters is something that he's not going to do. Cory should apologize. He knows better. There's not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my whole career. Period. 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 Well, Booker. Can I tell you, I like that. You get called a racist and you're not a racist? Yeah. No, you need to apologize for calling me a racist. I tell you what. They, people get away with that all the time. If I was advising Joe, because everybody's terrified to defend themselves, you just go, curl into the fetal position and whimper and beg for mercy. If I was advising Joe Biden, I'd say, listen, dude, because uh, I call him dude. We're very close. I would say, listen, say, I probably could have phrased it better, but my point was obvious. And don't go around calling people racist just because you're trying to tear me down. This is the ugly politics we need to get away from. Turn it into a positive and step on the gas on this. There you go. Hey, uh, Positive Sean, do you have that uh, this stuff uh, about Cory Booker or uh, that uh, Tucker Carlson was talking about last night? I mean, listen, I have no problem with somebody speaking on other people's behalf. Because that's a lot of what politics are. You even call them a representative. But... Cory Booker will play the oppressed card pretty regularly, and this is pretty interesting. We as a nation have not yet truly acknowledged and grappled with racism and white supremacy that has tainted this country's founding and continues to persist in those deep racial disparities and inequality. Okay, Sorry, you, you don't have the... You yeah, don't yeah, have I, I have his response. I just had that part in there, too. Okay, I can jump yeah, ahead yeah. to that. Yeah. Give me a second. Uh, Standing by. In three, two, one. So, in a sane country, that's the point at which the entire room would have burst out laughing when Senator Booker said that, precisely because of his title, really, Senator Booker. Cory Booker's parents were highly paid IBM executives. He grew up in a rich, all-white neighborhood, by the way. He attended Stanford. Then he got a Rhodes Scholarship, went to Oxford. Then he got a law degree from Yale. He's currently a senator from New Jersey. He'll win re-election pretty easily in 2020 if he seeks it. New Jersey is one of the richest states in this country, second, I think. It's also majority white. So if white supremacy were a huge problem in America, how did Cory Booker become a senator? And yet somehow he did. America has given Cory Booker amazing opportunities precisely because it's not the hateful place he pretends it is. Cory Booker is one of the most privileged people in the world. He's living proof. You know, I think that is a brilliantly made point. And that's not to say there is no racism or people aren't victimized and we have to fight for justice because we have to. But to portray the American people as some sort of diseased organ of white supremacy is is just wrong. It's I, wrong. It's morally wrong. And it's just dumb. I would say in this dust up with Joe Biden, it's been good for Cory Booker because he's not in the top tier of Democrats. He's in that second group of like, are you going to get to stay in the race? And here he is being put 
in a conversation with the the, the guy who's 30-some points ahead of him. Yep. Went for him. Yeah. The founder of an upscale, up, uh, upstate rather, New York sex cult has been found guilty on all charges in federal court. Keith Ranieri, the head of Nexium, convicted of racketeering, sex trafficking, forced labor, and child pornography. He's now facing up to life in prison. U.S. Attorney Richard Donahue telling reporters... This trial has revealed that Ranieri, who portrayed himself as a savant and a genius, was in fact a master manipulator, a con man, and the crime boss of a cult-like organization. He was a monster. Mm-hmm. You get into a lot of the particulars yeah. and, and what the women were subjected to. and I mean, physical tortures and branding. starvation and branding and... Yeah. And, and, you know, systematic rape. I mean, at the point that somebody has the Stockholm Syndrome, How do and then you start that? sexing that's them the... up, I mean, that's rape. Yeah, well, he's the bad guy here. They're right. the victims. But how do you fall for How do people fall for stuff like that? You know, it's a personality type, I think. People just, they lack the, wait a minute, this is blanked up gene. Mm-hmm. They just fall for it. I don't know. Turns out your smart speaker might soon be able to tell if you're having a heart attack. Researchers at the University of Washington developing artificial intelligence that can detect audio cues of cardiac arrest. The system developed using 911 call samples containing the breathing sounds that come with cardiac arrest. Wow. Your speaker will be able to pick up on those. I'm trying to not get short of breath and have chest pains listening to this, but... That's really interesting. And if the speaker picks up on these, they'll call 911 if there's no response after what they try and What say, if your sex breathing sounds the same as your heart attack breathing? Yeah. Does it automatically dial 911? <laughs> How do you feel about paramedics watching? <laughs> yeah, now, now we got a party. <laughs> hey, sorry, folks. Uh, you know, go on as you were. The system may soon. Yeah, and your wife's going to say, ooh, firefighters. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. The system may soon be available to consumers, the scientists there at the U. Have created a company to commercialize the technology. <laughs> and then they <laughs> applaud. <laughs> We're the police. Well, We're here. Back to the firehouse. Your phone dialed 911 because you had heart attack breathing. I was putting on my shoes. <laughs> I find it difficult to put on my shoes. Oh, that's their news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. A number of people have said this in the last 24 hours. That the whole Biden thing just shows how old he is. I don't know. I mean, you do have to be fairly old, have to have been in the Senate for a long time to have worked with out and proud segregationists. Right. I mean, it's been a while since that was a thing. Right. I mean, it's we make jokes about Diane Feinstein having dated James K. Polk. Um, this is like a real life one of those. Joe Biden was in the Senate with people that ran on segregation. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's just, that's pretty astounding. Well, and... Yeah, he's just, he's not good at it. Okay, if not him, who? It's not him, who? I'm not in Anybody charge. Anybody a decade younger. <laughs> Sean, Sean, positive Sean, single-issue voter. Too yes, old. The age of the candidate. You must be under 70. <laughs> you know, who, who knows? If I were a betting man, wait a minute, I am a betting man. If I were a betting man, who? Trump. The incumbent. Well, somebody's going to run against him. Okay. Durr. Dumb. Uh, Kamala and Mayor Pete. Well, that'd be a tough not necessarily in that order. That'd be a tough ticket. Checking a lot of boxes, Jack, and that's I'd what say. it's all about. I'd say. So uh, Thomas Sowell, who's a philosopher, a thinker, a writer, and a proud black man uh, on the question of reparations for slavery, 
Okay. His, his words coming up. And what else? I had something. Oh, yeah. Becoming a morning person. Oh, yeah. Since 95% of people hate mornings, according to this. Or at least struggle through it's them. not paid for by my pillow or something, is it? This day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll look into Wait this. Wait a minute. That's Stay how t- they get you. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Good day to you. Good day to you, it said. Yes, good day to you. That's a robot cop that they now have in in Los Angeles. (laughs) Really? Robot cops. Is that like one of them rolling sidewalk uh, security things that, that San Francisco exactly. banned, right? Uh, I don't know if they banned it or not, but I've I seen they did. I've seen these most commonly at sporting events. Like uh, in the when the game lets out, they have these kind of they look like remote control garbage cans. Really, what are they trying to do? What are they supposed to do? Uh, they they are they have cameras on them ah. and they report back. It's essentially just a roaming security camera. Set it's eyes like, and ears. Yeah, it's yeah, not okay. a cop. It's not going to read you your Miranda so rights. So, it's, <laughs> so it's more being on camera. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was a there's a funny little portion of that. It says two things. It says have a good day, which we heard. And there's also an excuse me, like if you get in its way and stop it from rolling. And there was a mom that was trying to get her kids to pose around this <laughs> this security bot to take a picture of it. Yeah. And it kept going, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> AI still a ways to go. It's funny, I was yawning as I was about to do this story. 95% of Americans hate mornings. 43, I'm giving this statistic first. The percentage of people that Despise the sound of their alarm clock is 43%. Oh, I'm not a fan. And almost half of Americans get less than seven hours of sleep a night. I'm in that group of people. Just yeah. um, it's, a new, it's an international survey of uh, sleeping by the journal Sleep of Medicine. But this is the part that I really like. There are four steps that uh, can help you be more of a morning person and feel more rested. And they all sound worth doing. Step one, drink heavily the night before. Is that one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, take one more drink right before you go to bed. Live like Elvis. Depressants at night and stimulants in the morning. Even though that drink is just going to make you drunker while you sleep, have one more drink right before you go to bed. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, rise and shine. Wake up two to three hours earlier than usual and maximize outdoor light exposure exposure in the morning. Supposed to be really good. Wait a minute. Those two are directly contradictory. Uh, Unless you've been getting up at 11 a.m. A slight context. The, the, the study was transitioning night owls into morning people. So these are people who typically okay. went to bed later, rose I later see. than, right. than your, your average go get it. Lights out. At the end of the day, you want to uh, 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 minimize the amount of light exposure you have. I'll bet this is what we're all doing wrong. Oh, we're not. We're designed course. for when the sun goes down to be in almost total darkness. I notice it in the wintertime. I find myself sleepier earlier. And there's also th- this new trend of a lot of natural light light bulb sort yes. of things. So you get those on the inside, and it, it tricks your brain. I have I've got two of those in Chateau Relaxo, and I notice specifically in the evening time when I turn those off, I start to get more tired at a mm-hmm. at an increased rate. Natural light. You drank a fair amount of natural light back in the day, didn't you? <laughs> Never been a Natty Light fan. That's all right. 
beer. Um, uh, stay away from blue lights from screens, which we hear a lot. I love the fact that that the iPhone now you can turn that off. I leave my off all the time. I just I don't need the blue light. The blue light. There's a setting to turn the blue light oh, off. Yeah. I didn't even know. That. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. And I once you get used to it, I, just looking at my phone is way too harsh. Just. It makes hmm. things an, a bit of an odd color, but unless it's super important to you that all the shades be accurate. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of an odd color. Who am I to judge? <laughs> uh, yeah, I turn that blue light off, and then you can safely look at your screen at night, because that's the kind of light that's that's doing you damage. Because hmm. um, it's it's telling your brain it's early. It's the morning. It's time to get up and, and hunt the mighty wildebeest. Yes, you don't know Receive that. stimulants. Be awake. Be the, awake. The brighter, right. the brighter dimmer switch on your iPhone, yeah, it's got a thing to turn off that blue light. Hmm. I just leave mine off go. all the time. Um, stick to a schedule. Keep sleep and wait times fixed on both work days and days off. Yeah, I keep hearing that, but, uh, yeah. well, we've got a weird situation here. Well, everybody would say that, though. Would they? I think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Conflict! Fight! Fight! <laughs> and if they did, they'd be lying. It's funny, we do that with our kids. We we let them stay up later on the weekends, and this says specifically that's a bad idea. Move up your meals. Have breakfast as soon as possible after waking up. Eat lunch at the same time each day and don't do dinner until after 7. I would be really hungry if I did that. That's getting a little weird to me, dietarily. I mean, All participants in the study stopped drinking caffeine after 3. And those are the steps you're supposed to take to become more of a morning person. Mm. Some of those I'm going to try to adopt. So reduce light? Yeah, cutting down on the light. Keep on a schedule. Uh, that might be the main thing with modern humans is that we just have all this light around us. At night. At night. Yeah. Just yeah. did our brains all weirded out by it. After hundreds of thousands of years of it gets dark and it's dark and now you go to sleep. Right. And you evolve bit by bit by bit with the seasons as well. I'm, I'm just contemplating living do, um, some sort of naturalistic caveman yeah, lifestyle. I might start that tonight. I hope the family goes along with it. When the sun goes down, it's going to be dark in our house. Oh, good luck. We're going to sit around in the dark. So, listen, Thomas Sowell, the great thinker, the philosopher, the writer, uh, has weighed in on the topic of slave reparations more than once. But here's something he, he wrote a few years ago about it. Um, well, we have time to dip into it anyway. Did you mention he's a black guy? Because you should mention he's You know, black. yeah, he's, he's a black man. The first thing to understand about the issue of reparations for slavery is that no money is going to be paid. The very people who are demanding reparations know it is not going to happen. Why, then, are they demanding something they know will not? Uh, they're not going to get? Because the demagogues themselves will benefit, even if nobody else does. Stirring up historic grievances pays off in publicity and votes. So and then he goes into the idea of an apology. Al, Al for Sharpton slavery. had every candidate come to his forum and uh, go on the microphone and state that they are pledging to sign on to some reparations bill. Mm-hmm. And all the candidates agreed to it. Then he talks about the idea of apologizing for slavery, but he says the very idea of apologizing for what somebody else did is meaningless, however fashionable it has become. A scholar once said that the great economist David Ricardo, quote, was above the unctuous phrases that cost so little and yield such ample returns. Apparently others are not. The only thing that would give the idea of reparations for slavery even the appearance of rationality is an assumption of collective guilt passed down from generation to generation. But if we start operating on the principle that people alive today are responsible for what their ancestors did in centuries past, we will be adopting a principle that can tear any society apart, especially a multi-ethnic society like the United States. Even if we were willing to go down that dangerous road, the facts of history do not square with the demand for reparations. Millions of immigrants arrived in this country from Europe, Asia, and Latin America after slavery was over. Are their descendants guilty, too, and expected to pay out hard cash to redeem themselves? 
Even during the era of slavery, most white people owned no slaves. Are their descendants supposed to pay for the descendants of those who did? What about the effect of all of this on the black population? Is anyone made better off by being supplied with resentments and distractions from the task of developing the capabilities that pay off in a booming economy in a high-tech world? Whites may experience a passing annoyance over the reparations issue, but blacks, especially young blacks, can sustain more lasting damage from misallocating their time, attention, and efforts. Um, And he goes on in great uh, detail and and eloquence as is his thing. Well, um, imagine, I, you know, I don't know how this works for people just based on some of the hearings yesterday, but if it's true that there are, you know, young, young black kids out there that have in their mind that you can't get ahead because of slavery and systemic racism, man, you are doomed. If, if that's what you're taught and you would believe it as a kid. Well, you're taught it over and over again these days. If I told my kids, you can't get ahead because of your skin color, there, there's no way you can ever become successful. Well, I can't even imagine what that does to your worldview. What if they heard that every day of their lives? It's insidious. That's what Sowell spent his entire career fighting against, that insidious suicidal message. You know, um, I could talk about this all day. If you're born into the caste system in India, one of the lower castes, you are screwed in a lot of ways. But while you fight for justice, you must live your life with a nobody-can-stop-me attitude, or you are doomed as an individual. Got more attention yesterday than I've ever seen it get a, get attention in my lifetime, the whole reparations thing. So it's going the right direction for those people, I got to yeah, We'll see. Armstrong and Getty.